You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. For this episode, we're revisiting a conversation from September of last year between NYSAC Legislative Director Ryan Gregoire and Cornell University forest entomologist Mark Whitmore. They discussed the impact of hemlock woolly adelgids in the forests of New York State, the important role and natural value that hemlock trees have, and how local leaders can support preservation efforts. Okay, thank you everyone for joining us and tuning in to today's NYSAC's County Conversation podcast. My name is Ryan Gregoire, and I am the Legislative Director for your New York State Association of Counties. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Mark Whitmore, the Principal Investigator and Founder of the New York State Hemlock Initiative, and a forest entomologist with Cornell University. Mark has been studying insects that feed on trees for over 30 years, the last 15 of which he has focused on invasive, non-native species that are changing the face of North America's forested landscape. He started his career in forest entomology, studying spruce beetles in Alaska, moved to Berkeley to focus on biological control of forest pests, and has been at Cornell since 1989. Mark currently works with professional land managers, state and federal agencies, local government officials, and concerned citizens to help them understand the issues surrounding and strategies for minimizing the impact of non-native invasive insects, such as the emerald ash borer and the hemlock wood woolly adelgid. Mark's current research focuses on biologic control of the hemlock woolly adelgid, otherwise known as the HWA. Today's podcast focuses on Mark's in-depth knowledge and research of the HWA, and most recently, Mark had joined county leaders to discuss this invasive species and the disastrous effects it could have on our county forests, parks, and our state parks, including the Adirondacks, the Catskills, and the forests within western New York. Mark, thanks again for joining us. Uh, It's truly a pleasure to have you with us again. Oh, thank thank you very much. It's I'm very honored to uh, have you ask me to um, join you. Great, great. Um, Mark, so for our listeners who weren't able to join your presentation last week, can you briefly describe this insect and why it's so important to preserve our hemlock, hemlock trees and, and I guess where the HWA currently exists and has the potential to infiltrate? Sure, yeah. Um, so let me start with the hemlocks. I think that uh, the most important thing to me is that uh, everyone realize um, the the resource, the value of the resource. Um, I talk about living trees as a resource, but they're they're an amazing natural resource. I think to New Yorkers, and um, it's I, I just think it's so important for people to get out there and and to learn what a hemlock looks like to begin with um, and then start to look around and realize uh, what actually might be uh, uh, threatened. Um, and, uh, you know, hemlocks, it's interesting, occupy a very important role in New York's forests. It's it's uh, the, the third most common tree in New York State, right behind the, the red maple and sugar maples. And it it forms different kinds of forests. Um, uh, in the Adirondacks, we'll get pure stands of hemlock or near pure stands of hemlock over vast areas, uh, and the Catskills as well. Um, and then when you get into more of the Finger Lakes, they'll show up 
um, in areas like gorges and gullies that that weren't that weren't timbered heavily and <clears throat> representing um, sort of islands and such. Um, and I, I don't look at any one situation as being more important than the others. I of course look to the old old growth forests that I've found uh, in the state parks and and in the Adirondacks and I just there, there's something about those trees that just tugs at my heartstrings. Uh, they're just, they're ancient, um, and uh, they create an environment that's unique uh, um, amongst the trees. Um, indeed, we uh, ecologically refer to them as a, as a foundation species. Um, basically, they, they provide the foundation uh, of the habitat upon which many other species depend on uh, for existence. Um, imagine the uh, winter time when you have less snow under the hemlock forest, and that helps helps the mammals uh, survive the hard winter. And then again, you have the uh, the dense cover uh, in springtime, retarding the melting of the ice and uh, uh, the the snow under the hemlock stands, which maintains cooler water. Uh, in the streams that help the brook trout, the native brook trout breed. Um, you know, there's many, many different things uh, that you can say about it, but uh, I, I just keep going back to to uh, to my own uh, uh, sentimental feelings towards the tree. They're sort of they remind me of sort of like the uh, um, Labrador puppy dog of the tree world. So there's something about them that just uh, you just want to uh, at least I want to just just be around them and. And so that's been sort of one of the drivers in my uh, passion for looking at um, the hemlock woolly adelgid, which uh, has been uh, an interesting insect to work on. You know, basically, I've been studying adelgids uh, for 40 years now and um, off and on and starting in the West Coast uh, with the balsam woolly adelgid, which also happens to be in the Adirondacks. Um, but the the hemlock woolly adelgid basically um, came to the eastern United States probably in the early 1900s in the Richmond, Virginia area uh, on nursery stock during the uh, craze to uh, create uh, Japanese themed gardens um, in, in arboretas. And so uh, the biotype that we have uh, in, Amer in eastern North America comes from southern Japan. And uh, work has shown that it's the same biotype that's spread all the way now from northern Georgia um, all the way to Nova Scotia, Maine, uh, uh, through New England, uh, and um, into New York, throughout New York. Uh, starting in New York in the mid-1980s uh, and now found in Michigan and Ontario. So it's continuing to spread throughout the range of, uh, of hemlock. And um, the uh, <clears throat> so it was first really recognized as a pest in the mid-50s um, in the Richmond, Virginia area. Before then, nobody really recognized it. And then in the 70s, it it really became apparent as it started killing uh, vast swaths of hemlocks in the Blue Ridge Mountains and um, has since gone all the way down through uh, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Um, that was a tragedy. I 
I've been down there, and if anybody wants to see a sobering sight, uh, just go to Great Smoky Mountain National Park and see all the dead trees staying around uh, down there. It moved through the park in about 10 years. Um, but up here in the north, I think we have the luxury of a little bit more time. They move more slowly uh, due to uh, the cold weather that we have. Um, and uh, that, that mortality event has sort of kept them from moving rapidly. Um, but my research has shown recently that, you know, even though we have these uh, polar vortex winters, um, they're not all polar, polar vortex winters where we got mortality of over 90%. Um, indeed, the past two winters have been quite light, and I'm a skier, so I've been very disappointed. Um, but uh, the, the mild winters have allowed them to move rapidly. The populations build right back up, and... Um, even though you think that they're they're gone or or they're severely impacted by the cold, they just come right back up. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, so first of all, um, so you know one of the, the reason that hemlock woolly adelgid is is such a so important is that um, you know basically it's a it's a small insect uh, about a millimeter in diameter. It looks much like a, a little beach ball with mouth parts that go into the tree to the twig tissue um, of the trees. Um, so this, uh, this insect has a very interesting life cycle in that it most spends most of its time growing in the wintertime and spring. Um, and, and during the summertime, it's just a little tiny black dot that's resting on the twigs. And if you're trying to avoid predation, that's a really great strategy because you're just this inedible little, little speck um, in the summertime when all the predators are out. And so in the wintertime when they're growing and in the springtime, the predators that we've found elsewhere um, have been specialists at this very time period. And... Um, We've been fortunate to find them. Um, so the other aspect of this uh, insect is that it goes through two generations a year. And uh, perhaps most importantly, they're all females. Uh, there's there's uh, no sexual reproduction. So what this translates to basically is that all you need is one individual uh, to settle on a hemlock tree and you have a whole population developing because the reproductive potential can be high and you know anywhere from 10,000 or more individuals from one successful uh, establishment. Um, uh, and so um, that allows the rapid population growth and has been um, the reason for its, I hate to say success, but you know, the success of the insect and the demise at the same time of the hemlocks all throughout the East Coast. That's, that is some pretty powerful um, news that you're sharing, not news, but some pretty powerful statistics that you're sharing with us, Mark. And, you know, you, you just mentioned how the hemlock trees pull at your heartstrings. And I think I'll, I'll say that that message really resonated um, with county leaders previously, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today's podcast to talk about VHWA and your research efforts. Um, and I think particularly as we see ourselves and, and read the news of what's happening in the Western United States with um, really quite uh, severe wildfires and how that's impacting the ecology and the environment of those communities, um, it reminds us how important our forests are for not only 
um, our own safety and our own security, as you mentioned, some of the benefits that hemlocks provide, but also for the recreation and really beautiful natural uh, parks that we have in our state that, that folks have just come to um, really cherish here. So, um, again, for our listeners, we're yeah. talking with Mark to Mark Whitmore, a uh, forest entomologist and an expert on hemlocks and this new uh, invasive species to New York State. Well, it's been around for a little while. Um, you know, Mark's research is showing us that the HWA is beginning to expand. So, Mark, let's let's talk about kind of where the footprint is right now in New York. Can you give our listeners a sense of where the HWA is currently and and what you're worried about? Yeah, yeah sure, Ryan. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I when you were talking just recently, you were just, you were just bringing up a, a thought um, that I have, uh, you know, all throughout my career uh, working with forest insects, uh, killing trees. It's um, so, you know, I, I hate to hate to use a cliche, but it's really true um, that you know I can see it coming because I I know what to look for. I know where the bugs are, and um, I I can perceive their presence. Uh, where, but most people uh, don't really do that. Hemlocks is a prime example uh, where it really the trees are green up until the time when they're probably pretty much dead. And that's because the uh, the adelgid doesn't really kill the needles directly. What it does is it kills the buds and keeps the trees from putting new needles on. So it retains the old needles, but then when the old needles fi- finally die, which is what all needles do, um, all of a sudden the tree is gone. And, and uh, the cliche is that oftentimes, you know, it's like you just don't know what you got till it's gone. And boy, that really is playing out with the hemlock uh, and the hemlock woolly adelgid. Um, so basically the, in the, the history in New York State is that uh, the earliest detections were in the mid-80s in the Hudson Valley. And it moved, you know, basically through the Hudson Valley as well as in Connecticut, Massachusetts. Um, I think the warmer areas, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, it moved more rapidly and it got up into the Catskills. And the Catskills, it's been it's been moving its way through the Catskills now. It's up the Rondout and the Never Sink where there's uh, beginning to be a, a tremendous amount of mortality as well as uh, uh, tipping over into the Beaverkill um, area around the Pipacton Reservoir. Um, but it also has gotten into the Finger Lakes and um, and into, you know, all up and down the Finger Lakes um, and um, into, uh, you know, some of the greatest parks like Treeman Park, uh, uh, Taganic, um, as well as Letchworth. And uh, it was a couple of years ago first detected in Allegheny Park. Um, so, you know, it, it spread spottily throughout the West. It's gradually moving up the Hudson River Valley. It's it spotted into uh, areas near Saratoga, uh, Boston Spa area, and uh, we got an infestation near Lake George uh, three years ago, but that was only three trees. Um, and we moved quickly. I'm, I'm very impressed with uh, DEC and and their recognition of uh, the threat to the resource, uh, and and the fact that when it gets into the Adirondacks, where there's hemlocks everywhere, uh, it's it's a big deal. Um, and indeed, um, 
my recent work uh, in the Lake George area with the with the recent um, detection by one camper. Uh, that one camper created uh, it was just an amazing uh, scene. Um, I don't know how many people are aware that there's this program out there that was support, has been supported by DEC for years. It's called IMAP Invasives, and it's a really great, easy to use program. You download it onto your little your uh, uh, smartphone. I don't know. I'm not. I don't feel so smart when I have that thing in my hands, but whatever. Um, but anyway, it's really. I can even use it, and it's a great program. And you know, if you find an invasive species, you're you've been educated, whatever, you can report it on that platform, and immediately it goes to people at DC who look at it, they're aware of, you know, the expertise in that area, and they can determine, you know, uh, how important it is. Well, we got. One report from a camper on Lake George at the end of uh, July, and boy, I tell you, the flags went up the pole real fast, and we were all over it. And um, since then, I've been up there every week, um, basically looking at where where the population is, uh, how big how big the problem is, and uh, looking at how we can address it effectively. And I am just, I got to say, at this point in time, I'm just amazed at the amount of hemlock around the Lake George area. Having gone around almost the whole lake now um, in a boat looking with binoculars at the trees, um, it's, there's hemlocks everywhere. It's, it is, without doubt, in my mind, the most common tree along the shores of Lake George. And if anybody's been to Lake George, you realize the greenness and the beauty of it, it would be, I just can't imagine it without hemlocks. So the interesting thing about uh, the Lake George infestation is that it sort of mimics what I've seen in the Finger Lakes, where when HWA first comes into an area, it will invariably alight, I think, near water. And uh, my my best guess is that it's probably birds that bring it in. Uh, they like to use the water. And then, remember, it all it takes is one bug, and the whole thing goes crazy. And so that's basically what we found in the Lake George area, where we found concentration, just a, a few spots along about a mile and a half area um, that we found a, a fair number of bugs on a few trees, but one spot in particular has more than a handful of trees um, that actually have pretty heavy infestation and one tree that's very close to, to death. So, um, but these are very limited in scope and uh, we've done great surveys of the area, um, being very careful and uh, delimiting them. And so I think that we have a good a handle on the scope of the infestation at this point. And I just can't, uh, can't, uh, how do you say, say more strongly that uh, now is the time to act. Uh, if we don't, um, if it gets loose into the hemlock forest in the surrounding area, I, it'll, it'll, it'll be unstoppable, much like perhaps happened uh, in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. So this one camper has afforded us an opportunity to really make a, a, a great effort to save this resource. And just that one report, in my mind, was enough to justify that whole program since its inception. So I'm really, really grateful. Uh, and it also shows the importance of education and uh, engaging uh, citizen scientists in our efforts uh, to um, work on uh, uh, invasive species. Let's um, dive into this a little bit and, and unpack some of what you just talked about. Um, let me start with the pressing question that I think is on everyone's minds. 
which is okay. So you've you've mapped where uh, this infestation is across New York State in the Catskill Mountains and the Finger Lakes regions and our state parks out west, and then now, of course, with this new infestation in Lake George, um, I I recognize. Uh, that there's only one tree that's close to death in the Lake George region, and it sounds like they're on the the coast of of uh, or on the shores on the Washington County side of the lake. But can you talk to us now about how do we actually get rid of this insect? What are what are the methods that we can employ to protect our state? Well, it's it's a of course that's a great question because that's about all I think about. Um and I I the we're very fortunate at this point in time to have uh um at our disposal the use of uh some insecticides that are very effective and they are not costly and I also say they're environmentally sound, very environmentally safe. Um I'll state at this point in time directly, uh, I got into uh, entomology and forest entomology um, concerned about the amount of pesticide use that was being uh, perpetrated um, in the good old days, like, you know, the bombers with uh, uh, for spruce budworm and such. And I disdain their use um, and less absolutely necessary. And uh, that's why I study biological control, the use of the predators, which is the long-term answer in my mind. Once we get the biological controls in place, hopefully we will not need to use uh, pesticides in the future. But right now we're limited. Uh, we just have not had enough time to really get the biological controls worked out and implemented. And so to save the forests, um, especially right now in Lake George, uh, we've been using uh, these insecticides. They're systemic insecticides, which means they're put directly into the tree and they're transported throughout the tree uh, into the tissues that are then fed upon uh, by the insects. And so um, these insecticides are easily applied to the bark of the tree rapidly, and um, they uh, they move up into the tree. And so what we're hoping right now is that uh, we'll get them in place in October so that will kill the uh, developing insects so they won't reproduce um, in the springtime. Um, we've been using these insecticides all throughout the state, uh, especially at some of the most you know, the iconic parks that we have, like Letchworth and Allegheny, and especially you know at uh, Minnewaska and Treman and Tuganic, um, just just to name a few. And these have have been effective at saving the hemlocks, this great scenic resource uh, in these places. Um, now the the thing is, it's not going to be a one treatment thing. This is going to be something that we're going to need to work on year in and year out. Those are tiny bugs. Uh, they they spread uh, not rapidly, but they do spread. And so we're just going to have to be up there, I think, spending a lot of time surveying to be certain that we get all of the uh, trees treated that we need to, um, and hopefully forestall uh, the widespread. Uh, um, how do you say, forestall the, the, the spread more widely of, of HWA in the region. Um, I think in other areas like the Finger Lakes and such, we really have to uh, look at our resources and prioritize them uh, because I consider it pretty much widespread in the Finger Lakes, uh, not especially in western New York as much, but the Finger Lakes and the Catskills, southern Catskills especially, it's widespread, and so we have to look and, and try and figure out 
where are the hemlocks that we really value? Let's keep them alive so that we have uh, them and we have their seed uh, for the future when we finally do get the biological controls in place. That's great. Um, thank you, Mark, for that. So I I think the next question um, from your prior remarks that everyone's thinking about is, okay, if I'm a county official and maybe we have a county park here, maybe the county park has some hemlocks, but even even if that's not the case, as a local leader in my community, what can I be doing to support your preservation efforts? Um, who should I be talking to? What what should I be doing as a county leader to to ensure that I'm a helpful partner in this endeavor? Well, that's that's a really good question, um, and I uh, uh, I it's a uh, I've had conversations with county leaders, uh, state leaders uh, for a while now. And I just, I think the most important thing in my mind is to um, help local conservation organizations um, identify priority areas. Because really, I think the, you know, it's it's not an economic issue as much as it is maintaining uh, the scenic beauty and, um you know, the value for recreation um, and recreational areas uh, that are provided uh, by the hemlocks and um, and then help uh, with their preservation. I think that uh, recognizing that there is a problem and that uh, if we don't address it, we will lose the trees um, and, um, you know, work, work with uh, organizations and, and you know, helping them as best they can to preserve this uh, resource a community it's a community resource you know i'm thinking right now you know some of the preserved lands uh not only the parks but also uh lands preserved in land trust uh nature preserves um and uh and other uh private conservation um efforts uh, they oftentimes don't have the wherewithal uh and to do this and so i think uh working working with these organizations and you know, shaking hands with the state on this as well. Um, there are, I think, some sources available, federal sources, um, that look to, they're, they're working with uh, governmental lands, but I think that there's also the opportunity uh, when the resources of great value um, to, to work with private landowners. And uh, we're still uh, looking at uh, some of these instances per, for instance, where um, uh, uh, trout streams are threatened. Terrific. Thank you for that, Mark. And uh, for our listeners, we're speaking with Mark Whitmore, the uh, founder and really a statewide expert on um, on our hemlock trees. And Mark is the founder of the New York State Hemlock Initiative, um, and, and he's a leader in uh, the Hemlock Woolly Adelgid, or HWA, which is a an invasive species that is infiltrating our forests across the state. Uh, Mark, I, I just have a couple more questions for you. Um, I, so you've talked about our the the efforts that the state is doing, and and your organization is doing, and and other conservation areas are doing too save our trees and kind of prevent the spread of of the HWA species. And you just touched upon how county leaders can participate in this initiative too. 
Um, I, I think you've hit a critical point in the discussion of, of the importance of our hemlock uh, preservation across the state. And it really goes back to why people come to New York State. I mean, we're it's it's September now, almost October. We're in a, a beautiful time of year. You mentioned our red maples and our silver maples are um, the largest tree species, and then the hemlocks are right behind them. But if if you think about it, when you travel through the Adirondacks or the Catskills or across um, the Finger Lakes regions, you 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 see these iconic pictures, and what comes to mind is this blend between the beautiful scenery of the hemlocks mixed with the vibrant colors from these maple trees. And and then you also have the birch trees, mostly up in the Adirondacks. And this this combination really gives New York State a sense of identity that others um, may not be able to relate to. You, you spoke earlier about the Smoky National uh, Park and how the HWA really decimated their forest in the South. So I think um on behalf of the counties across the state we're we're grateful to have had you come and present and we're we're so um pleased that you've been able to join us for this podcast to talk a little bit more about this uh issue that's that's spreading across our state uh, be, before we conclude today's podcast did you have anything else you wanted to share with county officials is there um is there something like a poster or is there informational material that counties should be sharing on their website or posting at uh, maybe their county office buildings or public libraries? Yes, there are. Uh, we've been we've been working on that um, uh, for a while now, and I'm I'm actually quite proud of our website. At the uh, the uh, address is nyshemlockinitiative.info. Um, and there's tons of stuff on there. Plus, DEC has been producing a lot of material, and um, it's available through uh, the Lands and Forests uh, Division in DEC, or probably any. You just go to any DEC office uh, in the, throughout the state, one of the regional offices, and they'll be able to get you in touch uh, with sources of information. And it makes a difference uh, that the camper that reported it at Lake George, he wouldn't. They wouldn't have known what it was if it hadn't been for these these uh, uh, sources of information, and and I also wanted to add I forgot one thing and and it's also important I'm going to take this moment to you know put my hat back on and and say you know, one of one of the things facing counties right now um, is is huge it's not just the hemlock um, and it's it's the fact that when trees die they fall down. And when they fall down, they cause problems. Um, and so maintaining infrastructure is huge. Uh, for hemlocks, it's more of a, a native or a natural infrastructure uh, of the parks and such. And if you spoke, I, I spoke with the uh, forester at the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, and he said, oh, I said, I just, if I had known then what I know now about hemochloridelgid, I would have treated as many trees possible to keep them alive. Because right now he's dealing with having to close very popular roads and campgrounds uh, because of the dead trees around. They fall down, they are a public hazard, and he just does not have the wherewithal to deal with that uh, in an expedient manner. So he's doing it uh, gradually. Um, and so 
this is important not only to you know, is also important I think in a county context where we have there's a lot of hemlock trees out there, um, but they're not always in really important infrastructure areas. On the other hand, we have ash trees, and the emerald ash borer is killing the ash trees, and ash trees are all about being around public infrastructure because they readily seed into uh, disturbed soils. And that's the definition of what we have for, for around public infrastructure. Um, you look at the power lines. I look at my power lines. My driveway is a quarter mile long. I have 15 ash trees that are right next to it. And I'm an expert at taking down trees, but I'm not going to get anywhere near those trees. And I, I, you know, quite frankly, I don't, don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait for the trees to, to fall on the, the lines or then you look at, you know, schools, playgrounds, uh, where ash trees are all around, or parks. Ash trees are a huge threat. And uh, if there's anything I can leave uh, county executives, county county personnel with at this point in time, is pay attention to the ash trees right now in New York State, because the emerald ash borer is going to come through and it's going to create problems. And the more aware we are, the more planning ahead of it, uh, the better off we'll be. Great. Well, well, thank you, Mark, for this really in-depth uh, podcast session with NYSAC this afternoon. Um, I can't thank you enough for being a partner with us, and certainly you've taught all of our county leaders across the state the importance of preserving our forest, both our hemlock trees and also our ash trees, and the potential impact that it'll have on our public infrastructure our recreation opportunities and really the quality of life that we've come to know and maybe take advantage of here in New York State. So I want to um, thank you again for joining us and I want to thank all of our listeners today for taking the time uh, to listen to today's podcast. Thank you very much. listening to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations, and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.